Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jakob Mikkelsen hade gott renommé i Danmark efter att han under sin första säsong som tränare i högsta ligan tagit lilla sönderjuske till en andra plats. Och dessutom var han snubblande nära att ta laget hela vägen till Europa League. Efter det duggade det in anbud när han valde att gå till Allsvenska Hammarby med två raka elfteplaceringar efter många år i Superettan. Efter ett knappt halvår i Bayern är det tydligt att Mikkelsen ämnar röra om i grytan för att förändra kulturen i Hammarby. Och han räds inte några tuffa beslut. I den här podden berättar han bland annat varför den tidigare sportchefen Mats Gingblads prestigevärvning Gershon Koffi fick lämna klubben efter bara några månader. Jag har aldrig sett Koffi innan han var här i Osta. In the description of Gershon is that he was a box-to-box midfield-player and I could for sure say that he's not a box-to-box player. Vi pratar givetvis om nya sportchefen Jesper Janssons ankomst och hur de tillsammans ska bygga ett nytt Hammarby som ska kunna utmana i toppen. I think our big window will be in the, in the winter because we have some outgoing contracts. So in, in January 2018 the squad should be a Jacob squad and a Jesper squad. And then we can hopefully take the next step. Och vi diskuterar Mikkelsens osvenska ledarstid. Han inte stryker med hos ens när det gäller klubblegendaren Kennedy Bakayoko. Everybody can see that he's 37, so if he wasn't in the end of his career, he would play until he was 54, uh, and he would not, uh, at least not an Allsvenska until he's done Förutom detta innehåller poddintervjun mycket mer. Bland annat om Mikkelsens förebilder inom fotbollen, smeknamnet eller öknamnet Mini Mourinho. Och hur tiden som damlagstränare och assisterande förbundskapten i Tanzania format honom. 
och varför han tror att allsvenskan är på väg att gå förbi den danska superligan. Men vi inleder som vanligt podden med en fakta upp. Age? 36. Where do you live? Stockholm. Family? Wife and a daughter. Education? Football coach and school teacher. Salary? Unknown. What kind of car do you drive? Right now a Volkswagen Tiguan. What hobbies do you have? Besides football, which is my lifestyle, uh, good wine, uh, good food, traveling and playing cards. Who would you say is the best player in the world? Uh, Lionel Messi. Which is your biggest uh, moment you've had in, in football? When we won the silver medal last year at uh, Bromby Stadium in front of 20,000. I guess you have a favorite team. Which favorite team do you have and why? I've always been a Liverpool supporter. Uh, I'm not always proud of the results Liverpool are making, but I've uh, followed Liverpool since the, the 80s. And yeah. Which is the best player that you've coached? Wana uh, Samata, striker in Tanzania, now playing in Genk. Uh, fantastic uh, striker, and I think soon he'll go to the Premier League. Uh, what kind of trash talk do you hear between coaches? I hear quite a lot. Uh, the tone between the coaches here in Sweden is uh, quite nice. Uh, in Denmark there's a little more trash talk and uh, when I was in Africa there was a lot of more trash talking. What did you hear then? Ah, nothing that we can say in the live podcast. Uh, what have you worked most uh, on to become a better coach? I've been always trying to, to, to challenge myself. That was why I went to Africa uh, when I had a good job in Denmark. That's why I'm now in, in Sweden. That's why I uh, always try to develop myself, go out on insecure ice to uh, become a, challenge myself as a, as a people. What's the most expensive thing you've bought? Must be my old house when I bought that. But I also sold it again when I moved to Sweden. What, were, what was your best uh, subject in school? Uh, mathematics. What kind of sound do you like? I like pretty much all music. Uh, but uh, nice and, and calm music uh, where you can have a good discussion is it's nice. What makes you afraid? Losing my family. When did you cry the last time? I can't remember. And it's not, it's not because I don't want to say, but I really I can't remember. What will it say on your uh, grave, gravestone? Hopefully it will say that I, uh, a funny guy who lived life. And actually I can't remember when I cried now. It was when my daughter got born. Born. för pausen där borta så kan nicka ner det gör han Hamad skjuter i mål det är 2-0 och det är återigen Gilohan Hamad framnickad av Björn Paulsen
Segern mot Halmstad innebar tredje fullpoängan för Hammarby under Mikkelsens styre och en habil mittenplacering i den jämna allsvenska tabellen. Spelmässigt har det dock knappast svängt om Hammarby så här långt och frågan är om Mikkelsen ämnar tvätta bort stämpeln som fotbollsbohemer även på planen. För vid sidan om råder inget tvivel om att Mini Mourinho, som Mikkelsen kallas, är fast inställd på att förändra kulturen inom klubben. We meet here at uh, Hammarby Årsta uh, IP where you uh, have your working day. And you say that uh, the small club Sönderjyske where you came from, they have better facilities. Uh, we had actually had very good uh, facilities because they were newly built uh, by Kommunen. So we had uh, a very nice uh, center where we uh, we played. But Hammarby will hopefully also have new facilities in uh, one year. So uh, if we do this podcast in one year, then we are hopefully sitting in a new environment. How important is that? Uh, it is very important. I think we are talking a lot about changing the culture here at Olstad. And one of the easiest things when you want to change a culture is to change the environment. And if we can get some more professional uh, environment, then we can also develop the club even more. Uh, if you change uh, the people and you change the environment, then you can also change the, the culture. Uh, changing uh, the culture, it's easy to say, but it's very difficult to do, especially with uh, a club or a company that's been around for a long time. How do you go around it without, if we don't think about a new uh, uh, practice facility, but how do you go around the, the thing of changing the culture in Hammarby? You don't do that overnight, as, as you say yourself. It has to be the long, steady uh, steps, uh, and Rome wasn't built overnight. But it's, it's all about we want to uh, build a winning culture. And to build a winning culture, you also have to win something some, sometimes. You also, we also want to build a more professional uh, culture. So we need to train more, which we have already done. So that has been one step. We also need uh, to have a more professional environment. So that's why the club also have invested in a new clubhouse, so we can get better training facilities, so we can train better, but also we can, we can recover better. So it's, it's a lot of small things uh, that hopefully makes a big difference. Uh, the thing about Hammarby is, I mean, they have a culture and a heritage that they're very proud of and, and the way they play football, it's supposed to be more on the side of exciting play than doing, chasing results. Is there something that you want to save from the old Hammarby culture or do you want to change it all? No, 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 we, we definitely need to, to, change, uh, to save the old culture. I think culture is what football is, is all about. So, uh, and there's a reason that we have the most fantastic fans in, in Scandinavia. It's because uh, we, we have a legacy and, and a culture. But uh, we can build a more professional club without uh, changing uh, the, 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 not the culture, but changing the legacy. And uh, do it even more professional. Because if we don't change and do the same things we always done, then we also get the same results we always done. So we have to change something without throwing the history away. Uh, as many new coaches, you don't want to look uh, in hindsight uh, because you don't want to maybe complain about what coaches before you did or technical directors and things. But still, when you say that you want to change something, it's kind of like a criticism of what has been. 
Yeah, you could say that, uh, or else you could say that the times have changed, and if we uh, doing the same things that we've done in the last thirty years, then we will not, uh, then we will not get a better results, and we haven't been better than number eleven the last eight years. So if we want to be do better than that in the three years I'm here, then we also have to do some things uh, differently, because if we don't, then we will not end up uh, better than number eleven. How is that received in the club hierarchy? Oh, that uh, what, what did we discuss before I, I came here? That was why I chose this job. Uh, it's not to sound arrogant, but I had quite a number of uh, job offering after our big success uh, last year with Sønderjyske, where we won uh, the silver medal in Denmark and did well in Europe. Uh, but I liked the the challenge uh, and the project of Hammarby, and that is one of the. Uh, the tasks here is that uh, I was hi- I was hired here to change the culture together with the new uh, sports director Jesper Jansson. So uh, I'm very pleased with that, and that is uh, also what the club wants. How involved were you when uh, the club recruited Jesper Jansson? Uh, not at all, actually. Uh, I was asked which qualities I think a sports director should have, and I also had some talks with Jesper before he was was hired, but. Uh, I, I I'm not a guy who can hire my own boss. Jesper is my boss, so that was a a long process by the club and a quite professional uh, process from the club where they have interviewed some people with in the first time and then the second time and the third time, and when they found out that Jesper should be uh, could be a serious candidate, then I uh, also met him, and we had some good discussions and. We looked at the club's uh, plan, and he was presented for the same plan that I I was presented for, and we have agreed that where we should go. What are the qualities you're looking into uh, when a sports director? What do you think is important? I think it's very important that we get a a strong uh, character here at Austad because if we want to change the culture at Austad, it's very important that we have a strong uh, a strong boss here at Austad and a guy that I can work very close with. So uh, we can uh, change the culture together and we can work closely on putting the right squad together also. I read an interview with you in Aftonblad where you said that you knew before you came to Hammarby and it got confirmed the first weeks you worked here that there are a lot of people wanting to uh, kind of put their stamp on Hammarby and uh, that you have to be a really strong character to, uh, to withstand that. Do you and Jesper Jansson have that, uh, that you will be able to cut through the politics and do your way? That is what we have agreed and that is what we have said to each other. And now it's time to walk the talk. And so far I think we are on the right track, but we have a, a long and steady road to go. Yeah, when will Hammarby be this uh, top team, which they should be? If you look at the the amount of people that are coming to every game, if you look only at the fans, then we should win Elsvenskan every year because we have the most fans. But that simple is football. Uh, football is not that simple. I think uh, FIFA have made. I know that FIFA have made a report that eighty five percent of all football games is uh, made uh, decided after uh, which how big your budget is and how we don't have the biggest budget, but we have a. A budget who is better than number 11. So, of course, we should be better than number 11. My hope is that in my three years here, that we um, will be better than number 11 this year. And then we will take one more step and one more step. Then I believe it, uh, it has been a success. And that is what I've been hired into. I think it's realistic. Uh, and I have said many times that it takes two, three transfer windows to change uh, a squad. Uh, and 
so in in January 2018, the squad should be a Jacob squad and a Jesper squad, and then uh, we can hopefully take the next step. So uh, if we can be a top ten this year and then take another step next year, then I will be very happy. So it, the squad that started Allsvenskan this year wasn't very much your squad. No, we said goodbye to ten players and we got uh, yeah, four players in. And uh, one of them you already. Yeah, that's why it's four. We actually got five players in, but the one of them we. Coffee. Already... How how do you explain a thing like that after a couple of months into the season? He's not interesting for you because you must have signed it on that. Okay, Marty Inglod, we take him. Coffee was uh, in the squad, and we coffee has not been having that role that uh, he or we were very happy about. So that's why he was uh, out again uh, and came back to the US where he had a big success. Um, yeah, I had never seen Coffee before he was uh, here at Ulster. Okay, you'd never seen. It was Martin Ingblad's recruitment. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, that was the scouting department and uh, the, the sports director and the, uh, the signing. How, how soon did you see that that's not a player that will really fit into my squad. We saw it pretty early uh, that uh, Gershon um, had problems. But uh, when you have a when you get in a new player, it's also uh, important to give them time. And we hope that Gershon would uh, develop, and he did develop. And he's a fantastic boy. He's a very uh, serious uh, boy. But the way we want to play, uh, he didn't uh, fit in. You could say that. Uh, in the description of Gershon is that he was a box-to-box uh, midfield player and I could for sure say that he's not a box-to-box player but he's a very he's a defensive midfield player uh, who has a good leadership um, and he fitted very good into the US way of uh, playing football and I think it's a win-win-win uh, that Gershon now is back in the US. Was that part of Mati Ingblad not continuing his role as a sporting director that kind of like the recruitment weren't top-notch no i don't know anything about that uh Yingbert had a family living uh, on the west coast and uh, when you are living in stockholm away from your family then i think it's uh, yeah he took the decision that he didn't want to be uh, i had a very good cooperation but i think he's a very nice guy and uh, we talked uh, a lot we didn't always agree but uh, we, uh, he, he did a good job. Uh, but uh, with the family on the West Coast, then, uh, yeah. Uh, Stefan Patan is another player that was told that he wasn't really part of the plans. At least that's what he, he said. And uh, how is it to give decisions like that? It's never fun to say that people, in generally, are not uh, a part of the plans. But that is a part of being a football coach. You have uh, 22 Right now we have 21 players in the squad and you can only select 11 in the starting lineup. So you have to disappoint 10 and then doing a match, sometimes you make three substitutions and you're disappointing another three. So that is, that is football that some players fits in some coaches systems and other players fits into other coaches system. But as long as they are in the squad, then we are, then we're giving them training and we are putting the, the best possible team on the on the pitch. And I always put the team down that I think is the best in short and in long terms. Uh, if you look at the summer coming up transfer window, how many players do you think will go out and how many will come in? 
that would be a question for Jesper Jansson. But, and I don't have the f- full overlook about the economy. Uh, I think our big window will be in the, in the winter because we have some outgoing contracts. So either we extend them or we have to replace them. Uh, so I'm not uh, convinced that it's going to be a big window here in the, the summer, but it also depends if some of the players, we either sell some or we get some injuries, or some of the players want to move on. Uh, but you have at least one recruitment already fixed, Mats Fenger coming in as a central defender. Mats Fenger comes in and I'm very happy about him. I selected him uh, myself. I known. Uh, Mats for, for many years being one of the best centre-backs in, in Danish football. as two over playing in Copenhagen, Erik Johansson and Mathias Sanger Jørgensen, so, which has been rated higher, but then Finger has been rated uh, just above them, just underneath them in, uh, in the last couple of seasons. So that's a recruitment that I look very much forward to. Good on the ball, good defensively and uh, a quiet but a good leader. Mats Fenger shares the same agent as you do, if I'm correctly informed. That's correct. Is that sensitive in today's football world? I don't think so, uh, but it could be. Uh, but I think uh, many agents uh, has coaches and players. I think one of the reasons we got Mats Fenger is that uh, we had the same agent. So I could uh, come with the idea of how we... Uh, because it's not that calm that a top Danish defender chooses number 11 from Sweden. But uh, we presented a plan and a project that was very excited for uh, Mats Fenger. But we've seen more Danish players coming to Sweden. I, I know it's this expert tax, which is a little bit, it, it pays a little bit more now to come to Sweden than it did before. So we've seen in Gothenburg, we've seen Danish players in, uh, in uh, Malmö. In general, it's good for Swedish players to go to Denmark and Danish players to go to Sweden because of the expert tax in both countries. Uh, and I think Swedish football is, is definitely on the, on the right track. I think the league is uh, getting more and more attractive. In Denmark, there's a, a spectator's crisis right now. And in Sweden, you are, we are, you are uh, viewing the opposite. And I think uh, that's also why the, the new TV right has been a new record uh, for the clubs because it's an interesting product. There are, there are a lot of fans, a lot of uh, media, a lot of uh, hype around the matches. And of course, uh, it's more fun to play in front of 20,000 than uh, in front of 6,000. So I think uh, if Sweden continues the track they're on right now, then uh, it will uh, have good chances to be better than the Danish league. Right now, the Danish league is a little over the Swedish league, but I think in a couple of years it might change. If you look at the Hammarby's uh, start of the season, seven games, what's your uh, view of it? I think the seven games has been uh, satisfied. I said before the AFC match in, in round six uh, that if we won this game, then we had a good start. And if we lost, then it would be a, a bad start. And if we draw, it would be a so-so start. And we won that game. And that was a natural moment to step uh, to stop up and evaluate the first half of uh, the spring season. Uh, now we played seven matches. We got points in five of them. We lost 2-1 in Norshubing in the first match and lost 2-1 in Östersund in the last match. And in both matches we were very close in the end of, uh, of getting points. So in generally we have played seven equal matches. Ah, we played six equal matches and then we had a, a, a big win against AFC. Um, and that is also my the impression of the Alsvenskan in general that Malmö is 
by far better than everybody else, just like FC Copenhagen is in Denmark. And then almost the other, other teams are, are very equal. And I think we have done uh, good. We have stabilized uh, our defense. If we uh, compare to the, uh, the training games and the cup games, we conceded uh, 2.1 uh, goals uh, in average against us. Now in the first seven uh, leagues, against stronger opponents in, in the league, we conceded seven goals in seven matches. That's one goal per game and that's uh, satisfied. What's the biggest difference for you going from being a coach in Denmark and in the Danish league to being a coach in the Swedish league? That I don't speak the same language as most of the players. In Sønderøske, we the daily uh, language was uh, Danish, even though half of the training we, we did in, uh, in, in English. Here we are doing everything in, in English, but uh, I think that is the biggest difference. And then, of course, when you, when you are in, in the most hyped club in, in Scandinavia, then there is a lot of uh, spectators to the games. We didn't have that many spectators in, in Sønderjyske. I think we have an average on 6,000, and now we're having an average on plus 20,000. So that's also a, a big difference. Compared to Africa, we are playing for little spectators. I used to play in front of 70,000 when I was an assistant in Africa. So um, I'm used to many spectators. I think it, we have some amazing supporters. If you uh, look at the first game, you said that wouldn't have been a red card in Denmark. Is, are there rule changes, you, th- you would say, the way they, the referees interpret the games in Sweden compared to Denmark? I haven't really noticed that many cases. I think the referees in Sweden are doing a quite a good job, just like in, in Denmark. You can always uh, argue in, in certain situations. Right now in Denmark we have a big discussion or should we have a video uh, help for the referees? Uh, should you make challenges? And if we should have done that, then I would have challenged the juniors red card in the first game and I would have for sure have challenged the penalty in the end uh, here in the weekend against Usun because after seeing it on video, I think everybody uh, can see it's a clear hands. And uh, so, but are you? Would you like that change? I think it's. I think it could be nice with uh, video challenges. I I I can't really figure out how it should be done because when should you stop? When shouldn't you stop? Uh, because what if there was a penalty situation and Usun went up and did a a counter? Should when should I? And they score on that counter. Should we go back and then could challenge that? And so I, I don't really have the solution. I just think that goals, uh, if it's in or if it's out, uh, that help. Uh, and we are living in a top modern uh, 2017. So I think it could be a, a good help to the referees uh, because it goes so fast with some video help. Artificial turf is not that common either in Denmark. Very common here in Sweden. How do you look at it? Yeah, and in Denmark we play three matches every year on turf. Only one club next year, two clubs will have it here in Sweden because we are playing on turf ourselves. Then 75% of the games will be on turf. So it's a difference. And the football goes much faster on turf. I have that opinion in general that I would like to play football on a very good grass pitch. But when you are coached in Scandinavia, then a very good grass pitch is like only in three, four months of the year. So I think with the quality of the turf pitches, I think it's a, it's a good that we play on turf. It gives better football. Would and you like it to go like in Gothenburg where they have this mixture, a little bit of artificial turf in 
uh, regular. I think that would be a fantastic solution because then it smells more like real football, uh, and we still have the the good pitches. So that could be a, a very good solution. Uh, also an expensive solution, but I think it could be. Uh, it could be Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Jakob Mikkelsen är själv inne på det. Sett till publikstället borde Hammarby tillhöra toppklubbarna i Allsvenskan. Men frågan är hur supporterna hanterar att Mikkelsen piskar in mer av en vinnarmentalitet i en klubb som närmast stoltserat med att man sätter fin fotboll framför resultat. Och hur kommer fansen att hantera den nya tränarens osentimentala inställning till bland andra legendaren Kennedy Bakersjoglos vara eller icke vara i startelva? Och är det alltid en fördel att ha så passionerade och drivna fans som backar How do you look at the, the fans and the TIFO? You've been very... You have said really good things about the fans. Uh, how is that coming from Sönderjyska, even though you had a lot of people in the stands in Tanzania, Sönderjyska wasn't that much. How is it to become a coach of Hammarby with all these passionate fans? Oh, that was the whole reason I chose this job, was because we had the, the most fantastic fans in Scandinavia. They are famous, uh, even though when Hammarby was in Super 8 and they uh, had uh, plus 25,000 for the games. So it, it's amazing, and it lifts the team, it lifts the coaches, it lifts everybody that we uh, are playing uh, in front of such a crowd. If we play away, they are supportive, but especially home at uh, New Zealand Stadium or Tilleto, they are amazing. Nice TFOs, and it gives a, a great atmosphere and a great motivation for the games. How do you like the TFOs with all these uh, spectacular fireworks and uh, 
Bengals and things like that. How, what's your view? I think it's um, it's it, it it gives good atmosphere. I, I like it. Uh, I know it can be a little controversial because uh, there's also some safety issues. I like it, and if it can be in controlled matters and in a controlled environment, then I, I really like it. Of course, right when you're standing in it and there's smoke all over the pitch, then you're a little irritated, but I think it's uh, it's fun, and so does the players. Uh, looking at to uh, Hammarby and also the other two st- clubs in Stockholm, the backside of a lot of passion, a lot of fans, is that, uh, uh, I mean, when you the, the results doesn't come in the way they should, they get really agitated and there's threats and things like that. And uh, how do you look at that part of the job? I think it's a part of the job. Of course, it's not funny to be threatened. Um, but if you want to have 20,000 fantastic supporters to the games, that is uh, something who comes along uh, with a job. Uh, I don't believe that uh, threats and, uh, and illegal things are belongs any place in football but uh, yeah that's a part of the job and uh, if you can't handle that then uh, you shouldn't be a coach in one of these clubs sometimes you see uh, players and coaches go up to the, the the crowds and talk to them after they've lost a big game you saw at Gothenburg a couple of rounds ago and uh, uh, it's kind of like common do you think that's a good way of having a dialogue with the fans or should it you have it another day I think you should have it another day because right after a game the emotions are uh, could be quite high um, and um, then things can happen uh, that isn't well thought uh, so I think uh, it's, it would be better to take that, those discussions when the when you're calm and everybody is in, in balance. Do you have those scenes in Denmark too? No, but uh, no, we don't really have that. Of, of course, when, when the, the Copenhagen derby between Wembley and, and FC Copenhagen with uh, 30,000, 40,000, that's also pretty, pretty, pretty much action. Uh, but in generally, uh, we don't have the, the same uh, culture in Denmark. And that's, uh, I really admire the Swedish uh, fan culture. How do you live here around uh, Södermalm, or do you live? You don't have to tell me exactly where you live, but do you live and what do people say when you go and shop? Or I'm quite a lot at Södermalm, um, and so far the results have been quite good. So so far it's uh, also only have been uh, positive, uh, talking and, and yelling to me. Uh, but um, I know that it, that can also change. But if you want in a to be in a, in a big club with many spectators, then uh, when the results are bad, you must also handle that the people have a right to be frustrated. Yeah, what, uh, this right to be frustrated, how far does that reach, do you think? Uh, sometimes I can feel that it's too much of a right to be really frustrated with the team's result and just want the team to come over and almost give over their jerseys and that they're not fit to play for a team. I think as... If you pay for a football ticket, then you then you then you have the right to to see that the players are giving everything they can, and you have the right to be frustrated. Uh, but you also have to uh, act within the law. You can't make murder threats, or you can't uh, hit people, and you can't uh, do assaults uh, because then you go you step over the, the legal line. 
but in generally uh, then that you you have the right to uh, to yell at people uh, hopefully with the, they like what they see so they can uh, cheer you up and that was actually what I was mostly happy about and when we played bad in the cup and we were down the fans were still behind us and uh, cheered us uh, to get the equalizer against Varberg and when we played against uh, Sundsvall they were uh, really in the second half putting pressure on Sundsvall and it was like so unlucky we didn't score off one of the, the many chances we had there. You've only done one uh, Stockholm derby against AIK in the league you won how was that? Of course, when you when you win a game, you are happy, and when you win a derby, you're even more happy because it it means three points. But it also you can feel up the, the the two three weeks before the game that the tension is just rising, and everybody really wants to win those games, and uh, it means uh, a lot. So there's there's some win that's more important than other one, and of course, when you win a derby, uh, especially um, when there's a Been really been firing up to those derbies with nice spectators and 30,000 there. It was a great feeling. Sometimes you can feel that the, the Stockholm clubs they have the derbies. It's great, but it also kind of eat. There's a risk that it will eat points from the teams. You will take points from each other, uh, and it's kind of easier for Malmö not having any derbies. Uh, and uh, Gothenburg, even though they got beat by Heck, and it's not maybe really a derby. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, it's it's it, it in that way. It's it, it's not an upside to have these derbies because uh, in a derby it doesn't really matter if you are number one or you're, or you're last in the league. It will still be an even game. Where if you don't have the derbies, then normally number one will beat number last. But I I still think if you if you ask me if I would rather have no derbies or I have a lot of derbies, then I would have a derby every weekend because those are the fun games to play. <clears throat> What's the feeling when you go out and you hear Yusidoya uh, stuck? Uh, it, 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 it lifts up you. It, 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 because I think uh, when the whole stadium uh, sings uh, the same song and really uh, builds up the tension. So it gives, uh, gives us more energy. And that's also why I, I never understand that uh, if you can say it's a backside to have many spectators. If you can't handle that, then you are playing the wrong sport. But it, it can never be a backside to have many supporters. It's always something you should get energy from. Not it shouldn't take any energy from you. Exactly, and it's giving us great energy, and we're really looking forward to to playing at home every time. But and not every player can play in a club like that, even if they're doing the same sport. I would say. No, but then you're in the wrong club because. Uh, If you want to play in Harvey, that's uh, that's the way it is, and that's a great great way it is. And uh, I think there's a lot of players who want to play in Harvey. Not all can handle to play in Harvey, but uh, many players want to play in Harvey. How how do you know that when you recruit a player that this is a player that can handle playing in Harvey and everything that comes around comes along with it? You can never be sure when you when you uh, get in a new player. If you get in a player from 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 the closest area, then there's a bigger uh, chance of success. If you get a player from another, another Scandinavian country, you have a quite good impression. But if you get in an American or African player, you 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 are always taking a chance. Uh, but the the thing you can do is you can do the scouting and you can do the talking with the players and you can look at the player in other stressful situations. Uh, 
But if a player never played more than 1,500, then it's also an aspect you have to consider when you're signing the player. Can he, does he have the right mentality uh, to fit into the club? You were quite frank when you talked about Kennedy Bakayshoglu, that he's in the end of his career. It's like almost talking about Totti when he plays for Roma, you understand? Yeah. How, uh, how did you reason there? I don't think I was uh, I said anything controversial. I said that because everybody can see that he's 37. So if he wasn't in the end of his career, he would play until he was 54, uh, and he will not, uh, at least not in Alsvenskan until he's then he he has been playing in the last 17 years. So of course he's uh, he's closer to his due date than he he was before. Uh, he's uh, he's our captain, and he is. Um, He's a, a great, great character who has done a, a lot of good things uh, for Harvey. Were you surprised that there were headlines and? Mm, no, I was not surprised because I knew it, it, it would come when they asked me. Uh, because it's an interesting case because he is a legend here in Harvey and he has done amazing things for this club, uh, both when he was young, winning the championship, and also when he came the home later uh, from the. A great career uh, in Spain and Holland, and uh, took the, the team up in Super Italy and, and had, has been and is a great captain for us. So it is uh, interesting for the the media and the fans uh, when he is uh, not playing. Yeah, uh, is it a difficult decision for you? Should I play Kennedy or not? Actually, it's not because I always select the the team that I. Feel is the best for the task we're standing in front of, and that was why uh, he didn't play this weekend, because uh, he has just been sick uh, for a, a long time. So that was why he didn't start. And in the last, in the second half, it was not a Kennedy to come, a Kennedy game to come in. How much do you use media to send out messages, both to the fans and to the players? Uh, I try to keep as. Uh, much information as possible inside the, the club. But if uh, the media ask me, I would uh, come with uh, the, the answer. Why do you want to keep it in the club? There's not always uh, a good ideas to communicate through the, through the media. I like to communicate inside, but uh, it's not like we are having big secrets. So that's also why we have uh, this uh, inside hound. It's not like we are having... Uh, Secrets and uh, Mark Lesby has been here for the last uh, two and a half months, following the teams and uh, yeah, and everything what comes out of that is uh, pretty much on the Sportbladet's uh, homepage now. So uh, that is okay because you make money from that uh, corporation, Hammarby, not you as person, but well, that, that could actually be fun if I I I did the money. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, every page turner you got a kickback. I, I don't know how we we're doing it, but I, no, I was I, thinking about I, you uh, as a person. Every time someone clicks, yeah, something. that could be very nice. Then I would be saying even more controversial things in the in the media. But going from Sunderjyska, my picture of a Sunderjyska is that the media focus around the club wasn't that big until maybe the end when you did really well. Coming to Hammarby, where there's a big focus, even if it's in Silpaeta. Yeah, that is a, a big difference. Uh, the hype is not as big as it was in, in Tanzania, where we had a whole country uh, and two uh, 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 weekly press conferences with 100 journalists. 
but uh, the media is uh, is big here in Sweden and especially in Hamburg, and I think it's a, a big privilege privilege that uh, so many people are interested in what we're doing. That's why that's why I came here. Would you say it's a big difference how the media uh, acts in Denmark on? Compared to Sweden, or is it? Oh, I much? think it's pretty much the same. I think the media uh, in Hamburg is uh, is pretty much the same as it would be in Brøndby and Copenhagen, because that is the the club sizes that we uh, that we have to compare with. We can't compare to uh, to Sønderjyske because Sønderjyske would be uh, a club size than Sundsvall, and I don't think there's a lot of uh, media attention on on Sundsvall. When will you start speaking Swedish? I'm I'm starting there uh, in in the, when I'm talking to the players like one against one sometimes, but uh, I, I prefer talking English because um, then I am sure there will not be any misunderstandings. There's some words in Swedish and in in, in Danish that it means two different things. So if I say something is rolled, for instance, then it's two different things uh, and many words. Bolla, I think. Exactly. Also, <laughs> so uh, so I. I started, uh, but I think my official, uh, like in the media, for for some time, uh, will be English. Att bli bäst i Sverige räckte inte. Mästarlagets tränare Allan Kohn tvingas lämna Malmö. Och sportchefen Daniel Andersson som lovordade Kohn när han värvades säger nu i ett pressmeddelande att de behöver nytt ledarskap för att MFF ska nå nya nivåer. Det har inte alltid varit lätt att vara dansk tränare i allsvenskan. Senaste exemplet är Allan Kuhn som fick lämna Malmö FF trots att han tog hem SM-guldet. Jakob Mikkelsen har redan orsakat en del höjda ögonbryd med sitt direkta sätt. Och han medger att det finns kulturskillnader mellan Danmark och Sverige. Men med tanke på att han tidigare tränat domlag, Tanzanias ungdomslag och det faktum att han hade ett seniorlag redan som 28-åring så verkar han drädas den typen av utmaning. Danish coaches in Sweden, they haven't been that successful if you look in the rear view mirror. Even though Alan Kuhn won, he was fired. The last one won the championship. Uh, yeah, and then that, look what happened to him. So, I better not win the championship. Um, no, um, they haven't. And uh, I don't know why that is actually. Did you talk to Alan Kuhn before going here? Yeah, I talked to Alan. Uh, both before he got the the, the firing and, and afterwards. Uh, I had some good talks with him and he's a, a very nice guy. What was he, his advice when you were thinking of Hammarby? He said, "Yeah, I should uh, go for it." He think it's a very. He said it was a very interesting league, and uh, the club has a, a potential. Uh, but you also have to to know if you take this job, it's gonna be a, a tough challenge, because uh, and it's gonna be a big challenge. So if you want to work hard and you up for a tough challenge, then you should say yes. What were you? What was your reaction when Alan Kuhn was fired? I was surprised. Uh, Because uh, no, what I have heard was that uh, that the results are good. Everybody could see that, uh, and I don't know what has been behind. Now afterwards, I think there's been a lot of discussion in the media. In general, I had that opinion that when a coach gets fired, then we close that book and then uh, we move on. Uh, so of course, I was uh, surprised 
for me it came like a a lightning from the blue sky uh, because I haven't heard uh, anything before. Then afterwards there has been a lot of speculations uh, why. Uh, coming to Sweden and Denmark, two countries pretty close, but still there is a cultural difference, or? Yeah, there is. Uh, for sure there is. Uh, I actually am a little surprised that the the culture is, uh, the difference is actually so big, because like you're saying, we are we are neighbors and uh, we even have a bridge between us. So it shouldn't be uh, that, but there's uh, some, some cultural differences. You're much uh, straighter. Yeah, and that is actually one of the funny things, because in Denmark I'm, I'm, I'm known as being uh, very little straight, and up here I'm uh, apparently very straight. Uh, I mean, players, I, I talked to Jilan Hamad, and you know that he said that you're tough, or uh, you would say exactly what you think, which is maybe not that common in, in Sweden. Does that make you adjust your way of being? No, I, I promised myself whenever I took this job that uh, I would not change myself, that uh, I'm going to do the things I believe in, um, or else uh, I would never uh, look myself in the mirror afterwards if I don't succeed. So I have to do the things uh, that I believe in, uh, and the things I believe is the right Uh, and I will always tell people uh, what I what I mean, and I always be very uh, direct uh, because then I know there will not be any misunderstandings, and people should know uh, where they have me. They should never be that they don't know where they have Jacob. How did the squad look uh, after your first hairdryer? Hairdryer? Yeah, that's what you say, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, when he gives. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think they. I think I'm working with a a good squad. They they are they are very coachable. They they are listening and they are doing what I say. So I'm very satisfied with the hard work they're putting into the. But when you get angry, you may be straighter than a, or franker than a Swedish coach. Yeah, it might be that. And uh, how does the the squad react then? Now they have reacted in a very fine way. Uh, I only been angry. I think it was was twice, and both times we have gone out and played fantastic in the second half. So uh, I think it's it's quite good. So far, it's been quite good. How do you do then? Do you kick something or do you? No, I haven't really kicked anything yet. I think I I hit the the ta- tactical board one time, and then I shouted the other time. But uh, yeah. I, I believe a lot in, 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 in acting different in different situations. So sometimes you need to be a, a tough son of a bitch and other times you need to be a gentle. And in some situations you need to be a, have a very direct tone. In other situations you have to have a very uh, involving tone. And in, so sometimes you have to be uh, very... Uh, you have a, a straight hierarchy and other times you have to have a very uh, flat hierarchy. You started out uh, as a 14-year-old as a coach. You weren't really a successful player, were you? I was a terrible football player, actually. And I found out, yeah, when I was 13 already, that I would never be a professional football footballer. What was your position? I think I started as... On the bench? Yeah, I, I, I think I almost ended on, on the bench, actually. Uh, I played a little bit of everything. I think I played where, where they just needed a guy. Uh, 
I wasn't that great. I actually had some quite good teammates. One of them, uh, two of them actually came, became Super League players. Okay. So it was all about playing the ball for them, and they they, they could do it. Um, but in, in, in generally, I was actually a better swimmer than I was a football player. But when I was 13, I knew that I'm not going to be a professional football player. But I have this passion for working with people and working with football. So then uh, I started coaching when I was uh, 14. Did you quit playing? No, I, I played. Uh, I, I kept playing until I was 18, I think. But it got less and less because the coaching took more and more time. How was it when that dream died? Because I guess most kids who get into football, they dream of being successful as a player, not as a coach. Yeah, but I, 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 I right, quite early found out that I, I'm not going to be a professional football player. So it, it, it died almost before it started that dream. Okay. But then how, how does, did the dream of working with uh, football as a coach come up? I had a very good teacher in school. So that was when I knew... All Teaching what subject? Uh, mathematics. And he was also my gym teacher. And he, uh, I, all, I know there that I would, would, would work with people and I wanted to be a, a coach uh, and I wanted to be a, a, a teacher. Uh, so I educated my, myself as a teacher uh, and started coaching. Uh, how old were, when you started coaching at 14, how yeah. old were the players? They were eight and nine. How was that getting that responsibility? I, the first year I was an assistant coach, so I, I learned to be a coach. And then after one and a half year, then I was uh, the coach. I think I had my first team when I was 16. And that is a quite a big responsibility to have, but it also made me grow as a person. When did you uh, get the feeling that maybe I have a knack for being a coach? After the high school, I, I moved away from home. I moved to a, another city and then I, I started making uh, not big money, but a little money on, on, on coaching. And then it was like a, not only a hobby, it was also like a, a, a part-time job. Uh, and then I started studying uh, to be, become a teacher when I was t- 20. And then I had my school and I had uh, the football and then it became more and more serious until I got my, my first full-time job when I was 25. Did you ever work as a teacher? I worked a half year uh, like as a full-time teacher. And then uh, when I was coaching uh, the senior men's second division, then I had some, some hours in the school. What did your parents say when you gave up a teacher career instead of a football career? Uh, they, uh, they asked me, are you sure you want to go this way? But I have, but they were very happy that I finished the school. So I always have my education to, to fall back on. They, they could maybe they couldn't believe that you could live on being a coach. Oh, they, not not in the beginning. But uh, since I since I was sixteen, I like, got some pocket money from coaching football. Then they got early used to the to the thought that football is uh, yeah is kind of a, a way of uh, also having a work. You've uh, coached girls, boys, ladies, men. How how has that helped you in your career? It has helped me uh, in the way that I have been having a lot of experience in my uh, back uh, pack. I've been, uh, yeah, as I've been coaching everything from boys to girls, uh, and in in Denmark, Sweden, in Africa, and it, it all uh, gives you experience. Uh, and especially working with with the ladies, you have to really remember what you say because they remember everything, just like the wife at home. 
is there that a difference between men and women? You said. Yeah, it it, it is. I think the the, the women's I, I coached when I coached in, in Skorbakken, we had a team with they were all on either the A national team or they were on the on the twenty three or on twenty one or on the nineteen national team. They and they got like nothing in in economy to, uh, for playing, and they were so serious, and you could like make them uh, all over Denmark without breathing, and they would do it. So, uh, but you really had to. To walk the talk. If you say something, you you have to remember it. Going from uh, coaching women to men, was that that a challenge? Yeah, it was because when I got my first uh, men's team, uh, I was only twenty eight, I think, uh, and some of the players were older than me. And I have never coached a men's team before. I coached youth men, but never senior uh, men. So of course some of the players were were skeptical, uh, but uh, would they challenge you? Yeah, they they challenged me, but uh, how? Like putting questions, and of course they were skeptical of uh, that. Now this women coach come and should uh, train men, but uh, I had a short meeting, and then we right out uh, on the pitch because that is where where I could show that uh, that I can coach, and uh, it's always like that if you. If you have a big name and you come in, then you have the respect from the day one. Then you have to prove you're not a good coach. If you don't have a name, then you have to prove you're a good coach. Uh, so I had to prove myself. Was it? Uh, I guess it wasn't uh, good for you that you had an, a career as a player. No, it's it, it it can never be an advantage not have to have played, but you can compensate in many other ways. Uh, many of the the players becoming coaches. They are becoming coaches quite late, so they don't have so much experience. Uh, but then they had the experience from the locker room and been playing. I have a lot of experience from from coaching. Many of the the players they are having um, the respect from the minute number one because they had a great playing career. Uh, so they have to prove they are not good coaches if they're not, or if they are, then they can just continue. Uh, but I had to prove that I I was a good coach. Would you go back and take a women's team, or was it always your aim to be successful as a coach for a good women's team? I think you won the Danish Cup, and then to take over a, a men's team. No, it's impossible to plan in football, but I have no problem taking a women's team again because it was uh, we. Ha- I had some fantastic years first with the under eighteen women's where we won the Danish championship, and then with the senior team when we won the cup. So I had some some great years and it was uh, I really enjoyed it, and I I learned yeah two things it's it's impossible to plan football in football if you ask me ten years ago where would I be in ten years I uh, would probably not have been in Africa and in and in Sweden and won in the silver and been in in Europe, but I had some great years and uh, coaching women, uh, and uh, the other thing is that it's all about having having fun and having a, a good life, and you can't be chasing something until you are seventy five. Then if you get a brick in the head, then you have been chasing something the whole, your whole life and then suddenly you're dead. Uh, so it's it's also about seeing the possibilities where you are right now and, and enjoying life. because you your, have this. your career in Denmark was try, starting to pick up the speed and you chose to go with a countryman to Tanzania where you were the assistant coach of the national team and also took care of the under... Yeah, then I was the head coach of the under 17 and the under 20 national team. How was that? Now that was uh, one and a half fantastic years. First, I had a, 
a one year contract and then I was so happy for it so I extended for another half year. Uh, the first year my wife lived down there together with me. The last half year she was living in Denmark and that was why I stopped because uh, flying back and forth that uh, then we had to choose between staying down there or yeah or coming back. Uh, so I chose to call to came back. But it was it was amazing playing uh, against uh, some of the best players in the world, Pogba, Yao Traoré, uh, when we played Ivory Coast, traveling a lot uh, through the whole continent, but also playing under 17 matches in front of uh, 30,000 out of on a very bad pitch and selecting players from all over the country. It was it was amazing working in another culture, and that was actually why I I uh, I took off. I had just extended my contract with Hobro uh, in that case, but I had a clause in my contract that if, if I got a, a job offering from outside Denmark, then I could go. And it was to challenge me as a, as a person to, up, to, to work with people in another culture and be challenged. Uh, what did you learn being in Tanzania? I learned uh, many things, but uh, if you're coming as a white man, Uh, to Africa, then uh, you you have to to adapt to another another country, and uh, they have a funny saying: yeah, you may have the the clock, but we have the time in Africa. So we have to put structure uh, in how we how we worked, uh, and uh, but we also work with some some fantastic uh, persons that really want to give the the right arm to to succeed in football and we work with some some amazing players and the best player I've ever worked with Bumwana Samata he was named the player of the year of homegrown uh, players in Africa so he was the best player still playing in Africa last year and now he went to, to Belgium and I think he will have a, a fantastic career Will we see any players from Tanzania in Hammarby? Uh, you might you might uh, but uh, there's a big quality difference in the players and the real good players they are very hard to get because they are, he's playing in, in Belgium and probably in the Premier League soon and some of the other players they don't have the, the level to, to be there so um, but uh, yeah you never know in football Which coaches inspire you? Many coaches uh, and people are, are inspiring me uh, but I think um, the way Jürgen Klopp uh, is uh, the uh, The energy he's he's putting into the teams and the way he's playing is is quite interesting. I think the tactical of uh, Mourinho is uh, quite interesting, and the way he he can take the pressure off the players uh, is uh, very interesting. I think uh, the the technical part of Guardiola's game is uh, is is very uh, nice to see, and so they, those three will must be the the the, the three coaches inspired the most. But also I. Uh, A coach like Jupp Heynckes when he won the triple with uh, FC Bayern Munich and like just kept calm and this is the way I believe in and didn't care what everybody else thought. Any coaches in Scandinavia that they inspire? Uh, the, our former national coach uh, of Denmark, Morten Olsen, I think he's he's really done a, an amazing job. Uh, uh, took Denmark to to another level. Uh, I think he did, a, he did a great job. How do you educate yourself? I mean, there's a lot of ha- lot of things happening also in football. Everything's faster, more technique of being able to use Y Scout things like that. How do you keep updated? And you have to, you really have to to work hard and work fast 
to to keep up with uh, the football today. And that's also why I'm talking about changing the culture at Auster because football are changing and we can't do the same things that we did in 30 years. And I can't do the same things I did five years ago. So I'm going... Uh, I have some other coaches that I'm talking a lot with. Uh, I'm going Who to, are they? Uh, yeah, my, my former colleague from Tanzania who's uh, actually still in Tanzania. He's the technical director of the, in the federation now. Uh, I'm talking like one time every week with him. I have some, some Danish Super League coaches that I'm talking uh, to. And uh, I'm also, whenever I'm off and taking, uh, not taking vacation, then I'm going on, uh, on study trips to England, to Holland, uh, to around other clubs in Denmark to see how can we do. What uh, are the biggest changes today in football, would you say? Uh, the speed. If you compare the, to when Denmark won the championship in, in 92, and then you look at the game today, it's, it's two different games. Uh, it goes faster, the people are... The players are faster, they're physically stronger, uh, everything. But especially the speed, the spaces are smaller. What does that uh, change in your job? How do you have to adopt training? And We have to get every percent out, uh, like mentally, tactically, technically, physically, uh, in the whole analyze. Uh, now we have put a speedio, a video camera on the training pitch. So like everything can be uh, analyzed. So we all the small details uh, is important because the difference between the teams are not that big. So it's it's all the small small differences. How you eat, how you rest, how you you sleep, how you train, how you play. Do you play with three? Do you play with four? Do you play with five? How much risk should you take? All those things are constantly changing. What philosophy do you want to stand for as a coach? I would I really like to be a flexible coach uh, and a pragmatic coach that uh, don't have one way of playing. That I would take a, a look at the players I, I have and then I would uh, try to make the best team out of the players I have. Out of a philo- uh, uh, some standard points that has to be hard work, that has to be uh, structure and we have to be, uh, be honest Uh, I, there's nothing worse than players without commitment. I really want players with commitment. Uh, playing and winning 1-0 in a maybe not the um, technically most gifted way or do you want uh, possession-based football or entertainment? What are, you, what are you looking for? We want to win. If you're a first-team coach, that is the most important thing. But it then, doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it looks. If the alternative is not to win, I would rather win 1-0 ugly than playing 4-4 beautiful. But if we can play beautiful and win, that's of course is uh, the goal for everybody. Is that accepted by Hammarby? Because 15 years ago when they won the championship, now 16 years ago, the, there was one former player who was in on the board, Billy Olsson. He didn't really like the way the coach was playing because he was too much into getting results, not the way Hammarby should play. The results must always come before uh, the aesthetics or how it looks. But if you can do both, then it's, uh, then it's very fine. But I think if we, if we only want it to look nice, then, um, then I'm in the wrong business. Being a young coach, is that difficult? When you look to, I mean, you're almost the same age as Kenry Bakishoglu. It was a problem when I didn't have the 
when I didn't have the 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 results and the experience earlier, like the first time I coached the men's team. But coming here as 36 and been coaching in 22 years and been out and playing in Europe and winning silver medals in Denmark and winning winning in Africa, then it's uh, it's no problem. How close are you to the players? Do you go out and have a beer with them? Oh, I don't. But I uh, would not have a problem if we have won a game and have having a beer. And I even served the beer for them after the AIK win. Uh, you served them beer? I, I, said to, I said to our security guy that uh, if you want, uh, yeah, we need a beer in here. Uh, because if we win, we will get a cold beer after the games. And I asked players, if you want one? And I gave the players one, if they want. I don't force any, anybody to take a beer. Because in Denmark, there would always be, win or lose, there would be beer in the... Ah no! In my I don't know how it is in other clubs, but I if in Denmark if we win a game we get a beer. If we I'm not I don't think there's any beers in the locker rooms if you don't win. Okay. Uh, and then actually it's of course it's because we want to celebrate the win. But I also talked to a a very famous physical coach in Manchester actually one of the the best in in Europe, and he said that it's actually quite good for the recovery to get one beer, not three and four and five and ten, but one beer is very good for recovery. That's also why all the the cyclists in the Tour de France, they actually all almost everybody's getting a glass of red wine every night. It's good for the recovery. Sunday, uh, you came in second. How big a feat was that? It's always hard to say how big is uh, the once results own, but I think. In Denmark, they said it was one of the biggest sensations since Hefuli won the championship. Uh, was it the nineties? I think. So it was. Uh, it was big that uh, Sønderjyske has never been better than number six one year and then number eight. But the last three years before I came, they were number ten, and suddenly we were we were number two, and then afterwards we did very good in Europe. So um, yeah, that was uh, amazing. That opened up a, a lot of doors, uh, especially. Uh, also, when we did good in Europe, it, it, it opened up some doors for me and for the, the players. And um, yeah, that is why I'm here today. What worked out in that season when you came in second? What was it that fell in place? We were very good in the recruitment of players. We found a lot of uh, players. Uh, we actually had to save money in the, in the budget. But I, I came from the first division, the second best league in Denmark. So I knew which players was very good in uh, in the second uh, best league. So we took uh, six players up from the yeah, the Danish Super Eight, and then uh, we got a very good recruitment from uh, from Malmo. Simon Kron, uh, Swedish player, came in, did a very good job for us. And in generally, we had a very good team spirit, and people worked very hard. We were amazing tactically. The players were very good at saying okay in this game we we do this and then uh, and in another game the co- we as coaches had another idea and the players they did uh, what we said so uh, we were tactically and physically uh, very good prepared for for every match how was it to leave that behind ah it was uh, very very hard uh, and i cried with one eye and smiled with another eye uh, i had one and a half amazing years uh, in sonnyuske um but uh, sometimes when uh, when one when one door closes, then another clo- uh, door opens. Ah, but now you close the door. I guess the club wanted to keep you. Yeah, they w- actually they wanted to uh, to extend my contract, and uh, I was very close to doing that. But uh, I've been out uh, of Denmark once and coached, and I we as a family wanted to to have another experience. 
Uh, and then it was just a, a question of where, which country would you be in. Which clubs did you choose between? And now I want the names. Yeah, and I can't give you because... Yeah, of, uh, of course you can. And a gentleman never tells. So, but I, yeah, we, I, had, I had some, some, some different opportunities. But I, I think the project, the, the leadership and how it be presented for me was uh, very interesting. So if you are successful in a year with Hammarby, you will leave to something bigger? Oh, I have a, a three-year contract in, in Hammarby. Uh, and just like uh, I had a contract with Sønderjysk, then uh, if I have to leave before, then the clubs have to agree on... Yeah, the they paid uh, like a million Swedish crowns or something. I don't know how much they paid. Oh, you must know. I know, but I can't tell. <laughs> a gentleman never tells. <laughs> Sometimes. But... <laughs> You, you're called the, the Mini Mourinho. How come? Yeah, actually, I don't know where it came from. But it was some of the Danish journalists who suddenly brought it up. And it's not the worst nickname to have. No, but is it the tactics or is it that you don't like us in the media or what is it? I think the, the, the reason they said was that I didn't play myself. And I had uh, quite many tactical uh, aspects to play in. I never heard that I uh, that I didn't that he didn't like the media. So but I, actually, I like the media. You like the media? Yeah, yeah, I have no problem with the media. I think football needs the media, and the media needs football. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much. So uh, the tactical uh, know-how—that's what you're bringing into Hammarby. Yeah, that's what all coaches should bring into the teams. Uh, I think what I my qualities is that I I work hard. I have an idea of how we want to play football. I like to analyze the game and especially the opponent. How can we put in the, the strongest possible team to make the difference? And then uh, I'm quite good at putting a squad together also. That uh, is what I, me and Jesper is, is starting now. So when will, will we see Hammarby in Europe again? Uh, when or if? When? Not if. Uh, I don't know. Um, if they buy a coach in Denmark for a million, they we have to say when and not if. Uh, but uh, I said I, I didn't say there was a million. You said that. Um, I don't know. But if if, if top four is in Sweden, will go to Europe. Then you could say we want to be in top ten this year and we want to improve every year. So in six years we have to go to Europe, or else we can't improve every year. Six years, then you won't be here. <laughs> I, I'm here for at least three years. Okay. Thank you very much for taking time off from your busy schedule. It's a it's a pleasure. Det är också att se om Jakob Mikkelsen överlever längre än Alan Kuhn och en del andra danska tränare som gjort DSPL i Allsvenskan. Men det är ingen tvekan om att Mini Mourinho har en klar bild av vad han vill göra med Hammarby. Och bara det är ganska spännande att följa. Podden rullar givetvis vidare och som vanligt är vi oerhört tacksamma för all respons. Och enklast är till min mail olof.lund.tv4.se eller oloflund i ett ord på Twitter eller oloflund i ett ord på Instagram. Som vanligt är podden producerad av Olle Junell Lindberg. Stort tack för den här veckan. Hey. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 